Thought Leadership Studio. You're listening to Thought Leadership Studio, the podcast that helps you master high-level positive mass influence to create distinctive business niches, captivate an audience, grow your following, and change the game by changing the frame with strategic thought leadership. Thought Leadership Studio. Welcome back to Thought Leadership Studio. I'm your host, Chris McNeil, and in this episode, I'm switching roles because I was recently interviewed by the tweeting goddess, Samantha Kelly, on her LinkedIn audio series. And what came out of that, due primarily to her expert interviewing skills, was perhaps one of the more concise, explanatory, and foundational explanations of what strategic thought leadership is. So this is episode 69, unveiling the essence of strategic thought leadership, decoding the dynamics of influence, and talking about my journey from fitness training to thought leadership. What this episode will do for you is go into my evolution into thought leadership, my journey from pioneering in the fitness industry to becoming a beacon in strategic thought leadership, highlighting Um, an innovative approach to marketing and business growth. Have strategic thought leadership explained. Diving deep into the core principles of strategic thought leadership, now articulate its significance in shaping market perception and fostering groundbreaking ideas. It'll help you gain insights into the thought process, T-H-A-U-T, a unique framework I developed that stands for triadic, holistic architecture underlying thought leadership, which offers a structured approach to impactful communication. And discuss how my coaching methodology, uh, excuse me, coaching methodology, transforms business leaders by equipping them with the tools to lead their audience towards enhanced understanding and engagement. We'll discuss the intersection of technology and marketing Um, Explore my perspective on leveraging technology, including AI and digital platforms to amplify thought leadership and create meaningful connections with audiences. We'll talk about some real world success stories, compelling case studies of businesses that achieved exponential growth by implementing strategic thought leadership principles under my guidance and discuss fostering innovation in thought leadership and learn about the future of thought leadership and how I envision its evolution in the rapidly changing landscape of business and technology. But before we dive more deeply into this episode, in case you're new here, consider that I created the Thought Leadership Studio podcast to help listeners improve their thought leadership skills. So whether or not you consider yourself a thought leader at this point, consider that I've come to the conclusion that the practice of strategic thought leadership is now fundamental to effective marketing and helpful in any area of positive influence. It's about leading an audience to embrace a unique perspective that gives them more value. 
So this podcast is designed to provide an accelerated training process. And an important part of this is having models of excellence for which I provide interviews of people who excel in one or more areas relevant to strategic thought leadership. And if you're listening on an app, make sure you visit the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com. It's linked in the episode description for a summary of the episode with a curated transcript, a story and images, and additional resources and offers. So in this excerpt from her LinkedIn audio series, Samantha Kelly, the tweeting goddess, interviews me, Chris McNeil, about strategic thought leadership. And she was such an excellent hostess that I thought she facilitated maybe one of the best introductions to date to the concept of strategic thought leadership, including with how it contrasts with how most people think about thought leadership. So I explained that thought leadership is not just about labeling oneself as an expert, but it's rather about shaping the thinking of an audience and leading them to a new way of looking at a field or profession or product or service category for that matter. I emphasize the importance of listening to the audience and understanding their needs and values and mental models, how they see what you do, to create content that empowers them to see it in a new, better, and more empowering way. So also discuss the triple perspective approach of LEO, listen and vision output, and the significance of challenging assumptions and unraveling belief systems. I announce my upcoming book, Strategic Thought Leadership, and invite listeners to check out this podcast, Thought Leadership Studio. But you're already here. Welcome here. And without further ado, let's jump right into the interview. Thought Leadership Studio. and welcome to this LinkedIn audio series with myself, Samantha Kelly, and Chris McNeil, who is my special guest today. Uh, thank you. I see we already have a listener who's just jumped in. Hello, Michael. Uh, oh, V. Michael. Oh, I don't know if it's Michael or V. Michael. So thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. And Richard has just joined us as well. Welcome, guys. Um, yeah, I'm here with Chris McNeil. Um, there's my good friend, Pierre Dubois, as well. I love Pierre. Um, Chris is the host of the Thought Leadership Podcast, and he's also a consultant in strategic, in strategic thought leadership. So let's find out more about strategic thought leadership. So I, there might be some of us in the audience don't even know what that means. So you're going to help us, Chris, today. So Chris, tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Thanks for the introduction, Samantha. Um, so I host the podcast, Thought Leadership Studio. And I started the podcast because I discovered a fascinating and powerful way of marketing that looks at thought leadership, not as something to label yourself or even just to demonstrate your expertise, but as a way to actually shape the thinking of an audience 
to, to lead people to a new way of looking at whatever your field or your profession or your type of business is. And I found it hard to explain because it's a little counterintuitive to people who are used to seeing marketing as a way to target prospects and to bring leads in. Where thought leadership is more about inbound type marketing where you acknowledge that people spend six or seven hours a day on the internet. And depending on what study you look at, 81 to 89% of people research online before making a major purchase. So we have all these people online looking to learn about what we do, and that's a need we can serve. We can serve it as a higher level by creating the kind of content that empowers them rather than looking to target them. And when you empower them in a way that educates them to see what you do in a new light, that cast a favorable light on how you specifically do what you do or how your business does what it does or how your client's business does what it does. It's a really effective way of marketing. Oh, I love this. I love this. And it's so true. Um, I just want to welcome Tiggs, who's joined us, and Mark and LK Bennett and John. Lovely to see you, John. Fari and Ashish. If I... If I butchered your name there, I do apologize. Please do let me know. And Stacy has joined us as well. Hi, Stacy. Um, yeah, we love these LinkedIn audios because it's great to meet new people. There's some new people here that I don't know. So thank you so much. Uh, it's lovely to connect. And folks, this is not just all about us. It's about you. So if you do see someone in the audience who, who looks interesting, you might want to connect. But please do connect. This is um, this is about connecting with building relationships and connecting with each other. Um, so Chris, I know you do the, the, the podcast and what have been the, the, the most interesting things or one that stood out for you that you, uh, someone you interviewed lately? Oh, wow. That's, that's a hard question because there are so many fantastic guests that have been on there. And I, I did the podcast, as I mentioned, as a way to give a more thorough explanation of what strategic thought leadership actually is in the format that allows explaining that. So as part of that, I started looking for models of excellence in various areas. And these models of excellence have been enlightening because they always educate me on something I didn't know before about a specific aspect that relates to leading the thinking of an audience online. And one of my business heroes was on the podcast, a man named John Seddon, who is the inventor of the Vanguard method, leads the Vanguard Group Consulting, and they, they bring systems thinking to service businesses. And I'm sure some of the listeners know the name Edward Deming, who revolutionized Japanese manufacturing. He's American who went to Japan and taught Toyota to build cars at the rate of demand and help make Toyota the powerhouse it is today. Um, well, that was great for manufacturing, but what Seddon has done is he brought that kind of thinking to service businesses, looking at this whole system from the customer's point of view, designing it from the customer's point of view, which acknowledges the often unspoken truth that it's the customer that sets the value of our service. So only if you design it from the customer's point of view, can you flush out waste and maximize profit. But we don't always do that. You know, big data has taught us to look at customers as data points. And the way data is usually analyzed is by expecting people to repeat what they've done in the past. 
that's not the way settings people look at services and that's not the way I look at marketing. I asked the question uh, based on what I learned from his business many years ago. You know, what if we looked at our business as media and the audience of that media as part of our business and treated it with the same systems perspective? What if we design our media from the customer's point of view to be as empowering as possible, not to do what they expect, and, you know, Walt Disney never would have built Disneyland by doing what people expect, but by listening well enough to discover their higher unmet values. What, what in our category, what's important to the audience that they are not getting from the current model, the current way of looking at things. And like Disney did with Disneyland, create something that gives them, in his case, it was giving families a fun, safe place to go have an adventure together. And people are looking to learn from, from our marketing. We call it marketing, but they look at it as helpful information if it is, but what can we teach them? Where can we lead them that gives them more of what they want than the standard point of view? That's strategic thought leadership. And John Seddon is one of the key influences I had. So it was an absolute delight to have him on the podcast and to dive into all this together. Oh, uh, definitely, folks, check that one out. Uh, Mark gives you a round of applause there. Um, so, you know, I see people put thought leader on their profiles, Chris. What do you think of that? Or what is it that makes someone a thought leader? Or what? Like, I know people started calling me a thought leader, and I was like, what? What do you mean? Like, <laughs> I just talk about, I just share knowledge and I just do this and I just do that. But then like, what is it that you, that defines someone who's a thought leader? Well, I have an expanded definition of that because I don't think the current widespread definition is adequate. Um, currently, the model seems to be that if you have an audience and you're thought of as an expert in your field, then you're a thought leader. I look at it more literally. Are you leading thought? Are you helping people think in a different way that helps them? And so I see it more as an, as an act, as a verb rather than a noun. It's like, are you practicing strategic thought leadership? Are you strategically leading your audience to get more value? out of your product or service by using it differently? Are you leading an audience to see it in a whole different light? So it satisfies values they may not have even associated with that before. Are you helping them make a smarter buying decision by educating them with a model that's yours that you came up with that helps people make smarter decisions when selecting a product or service in your category? Then you're practicing thought leadership. And see that applies even if you have an audience of just one. If you're leading one person to think about your category in a different way that's empowering with them, you are practicing strategic thought leadership. So from that person's point of view, now you're a thought leader. But with my clients, I, I try to teach them, don't be attached to the term thought leadership. It's not an ego-based thing. It's, it's a service-based thing where you're serving your audience by helping them think better about what you do. 
Oh, I love that. I love that definition. Thank you. And hello, John. Thank you so much for joining us. And Frank has arrived and Travis and Shirley. It's lovely to see you folks. Um, if anyone would like to join us on the stage, this is op an open discussion for everyone. Um, if you do want to come up, uh, click the raise your hand button and I will bring you up on the stage. Okay, so you're very, very welcome to join us. So Chris, um, how did you get into all this, by the way? How did you really like like, how did you start? And tell us a bit about your journey. Well, I was a, always a contrarian. I always questioned the status quo. And I figured out at a very early age that I'm not suited to work for someone else. So in the aftermath of Hurricane Hugo, which obliterated my hometown of Charleston, South Carolina, I went into business for myself. And that was 1989. Uh, so I was in the fitness business uh, because uh, fitness had done a lot for me in my life. And uh, in my early 20s, I had managed large big box fitness centers. And I just looked at that model like, this model sucks, excuse my language. But the whole premise here is that you sign up as many people as you can and hope they don't show up because then you can't sign up anyone else because your center is full. So this, the model of the business is not aligned with the model of the customer. So I started eventually a chain of one-on-one -on -one fitness training studios called Faster Fitness. We served over 2000 people over 10 years. I sold them in 2008 to friendly competition. Um, and it was all based around aligning the business with the customers, all one-on-one -on -one, small studio. Everybody had a trainer, but it was organized so half hour workouts are really effective we did a proprietary method of lifestyle management and we made it all about motivation because i saw that as the key everybody else is selling the equipment we're selling an experience that leads you to get as healthy and fit as you possibly can in a goal-setting organization that is empowering so you see a fast experience of success that was tremendously satisfying and also I have a background in neuro-linguistic programming or NLP, I'm a master practitioner. And to me, and I, I got into NLP when I was in college intending to be a sports psychologist uh, because I wasn't a big fan of traditional psychology where you're analyzing somebody's childhood and all the bad things that happened. But I loved sports psychology, which was the psychology of high performance. How do you elicit a state of focused motivation and apply that towards goals that stretch you out of your comfort zone and help you grow. Um, and I actually worked with a sports psychologist when I was an athlete who was a sports psychologist for the 84 and 88 US Olympic teams. Uh, he used a method called Ericksonian hypnotherapy, which neurolinguistic programming is also largely based on because Milton Erickson was one of the early models. And NLP is a strategy for modeling excellence and decoding excellent performance when the performer themselves may not be conscious of what they're doing and then applying that a performance in your own life in whatever context you want to and it's got some fantastic strategies for persuasion um so but i burned out on the fitness business i'm also a musician i wanted time to play music didn't allow for that and i'd won some national awards for innovation in the fitness business um including for some software i wrote this is before smartphones. I wrote using the early handheld computers, a wireless workout system, and it got some recognition. And it led me to some good contracts to do software, which led me into marketing software because I always loved the persuasion aspect of marketing. 
as well. Because a lot of what we did in fitness was to reframe marketing from selling people to motivating people. Because if somebody's motivated and inspired to achieve a goal and you're providing a way to get to that goal, they're wanting to work with you. A lot more so than if you're just trying to sell them on all the talking points of it. It's about motivating people. So always love the art of motivation. Uh, but by the way of those awards, I ended up doing software. But the persuasion aspect led me to doing marketing software and having a marketing agency where I wrote a whole control panel of not just doing websites, but integrating search engine optimization and things like that with how the website worked more effectively than anything that was going on at the time that I was aware of. So, um, but over the years, having this digital agency, I started noticing the difference between companies that had breakthrough growth working with me. Um, one company grew 200% in a year. Another went from 30% to 50% market share over a couple of years. And other examples of just breakthrough growth. And it's like, okay, what's the difference here? And I saw one of the differences was the businesses that grew like that, the leader of the business saw themselves as leading marketplace thinking. They weren't just in a passive role. They weren't looking at their competition, trying to grow market share over the competition. They didn't look at market leadership that way. They looked at market leadership as let's teach people how to see what we do in a different way. And I realized I've already done that with fitness in a small way in the context of my chain of studios. But that's a difference. It makes a difference. But a lot of cases, because of the context, context of the digital agency role, and there's nothing against digital agencies, some have finessed their way out of this, but you get seen as down the hierarchy, which means you're working within the mental models of the leadership that you're working for. Here's how we expect marketing to be done. So this is what we're willing to pay for. And, and that's the bottleneck. That's the limiting factor in a lot of cases, because it's the mental models of the leadership that restrict your ability to see your audience the way that strategic thought leadership, the term I eventually came up with, um, sees your audience as, as, as people to empower, to get as much as they possibly can out of what you do. Even if they don't do business with you, they're gonna wanna read your content or watch your content or listen to your content because it's empowering. So through that, I still have the digital agency, but now we only work with my coaching and consulting clients because I found this the coaching role. And they're like, what am I missing here? Because I had that in fitness, you know, work with high power CEOs as fitness clients, they do everything I said, and they were successful as a result of that because they saw me as a coach who wasn't just an expert in my field, but was an expert at listening to highest performance out of them. So I found that when you approach marketing as coach and consultant, where you're seen as an equal, because only in a relationship of equals does information flow. And information has to flow back and forth. Let's study the audience. Let's find out how they think about what we do so we can come up with something better and lead them to it. And it requires a certain engagement on the leadership's part that they're happy to give when they are also getting personal empowerment and a sense of self-mastery of doing these kinds of things. Um, so that led to the model that's now the thought process, T-H-A-U-T, which is a really wordy acronym that stands for Triadic Holistic Architecture Underlying Thought Leadership, which is basically saying that there is a structure to communication, there's a structure to thought leadership, and if you understand that structure and work with it, you can have breakthrough business growth by leading an audience to embrace your way of looking at things. 
Mm. Wordy story. Sorry, it took so long. Yeah, no, I, I like it. I like it. And actually, I see some familiar people in the audience. Um, hi, Tom. Hi, Jane. It's lovely to have you here. If you would like to come up on the stage, uh, click the raise your hand button and you can join in the discussion or ask a question to Chris. But Chris, um, it's interesting what you're saying there. You know, uh, like this uh, T-H-A-U-T. Can you just repeat the, the what's the first one again? triadic which means triple perspective thank you <laughs> i didn't know what that meant yeah i know that's a little tricky <laughs> yeah i came up with the word before i came up with the acronym that's why it's a little clumsy but it does explain what it is okay um so there's there's so many parts to this i mean i know for me um you know, there, there, there are people out there that you just, like you mentioned about the, the, the leader that just says, oh, comes to me and says, oh, we want to go viral, for example. You know, they're just uh -huh. going by, by what everyone else is talking about. And, oh, yeah, we want to go viral. Instead, and I'd look at the audience and I say, well, actually, you know, you know what your audience would love if you shared some of your knowledge with them and if you actually gave them mm -hmm. opportunities. It's like... Um, like, I'll be honest, folks, you know, myself and Chris had a chat there recently. We, we've known each other a little while online and you don't mind me saying this, Chris. You know, we were chatting and, and we, we just had a, a little virtual cup of tea. And then we both realized that, you know, there was synergy there and that. And I said, you know what? You, you mentioned you'd like to interview me. And then I went, well, why don't I interview you? Because you see, sometimes the interviewer never gets interviewed. <laughs> so, so this is adding value to Chris is adding value to your audience, but also it's about looking at things differently that how can I give someone an opportunity instead of wanting to just go viral, why don't you help your community and help your brand advocates and acknowledge them? There are so many big companies that don't even acknowledge the people who are talking about them all the time in a good way. Isn't that true? It is, isn't and, it? And you know, we live in a, we live in a marketing society now where the big data tracking paradigm is dominant because a lot of the big players like Google and Facebook have gotten rich off of that. Mm. That doesn't mean it's the best way. Definitely doesn't mean it's the best way for an individual business to build an audience. Because when you just look at people as data points to track, you don't have the empathy and you don't, it's, it's not the same as listening them, listening to them to find out what's important. And same with your brand advocates, same with your audience. So look at like con converging circles. You know, you have your your loyal clients who are repeat purchasing and referring who just love what you do and are getting great value from it. Outside that, you've got your your advocates, your audience who's subscribed to your newsletter list and they're eating up your content because it's empowering them. They may not, may not have taken out their checkbook and it's fine if they never do because they're your advocate too. And they might lead you to someone who does. And then you got your audience who's just aware of you, who's paying some attention to that. But how much value are we giving to these people? Do we want to really look at them as data points to track? And I see that model as like an invasive species in an ecosystem, like the pythons in the Everglades in Florida here that are eating all the deer, you know. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with using data, but I think the data should be used from the customer's point of view to respectfully listen to them and find out what's really important then to better give it to them, not to expect their future behavior to repeat the past so you can try to predict your next purchase and just follow them around online until they do. It's a different way of looking at your audience. And I think it's much more respect-based. 
Yeah, like, for example, right, there's this girl, um, she's doing a launch, right, in my local area. And um, she invited me to the launch and I said, oh, have you got a link to sign up, you know, to get, you know, to get the email address? Of it? She goes, no, I was just going to invite people. And I, so I said, look, I said, you know, let me help you. So I just helped her set up the link and stuff like that. And, and, and that's all. Like, it was just what, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. But she's got like, she's after coming back to me today saying, now, I didn't do it for this reason. I was just helping her out. And she also had a press release and I told her to send it to me. And I said, look, I'll have a look at it. And it was awful, awful press release. So I just tweaked it and made it more about her and her story. And, you know, storytelling is so important. And mm -hmm. she was so grateful. And I was like, it's fine. I said, no problem. You just, you know, spread the word if anyone asks for help on LinkedIn or Twitter, you know. And then um, next thing I got an email off her today asking about my services. <laughs> You know, but that's not why I did it, you know, but I did, you know, I, I, she's a startup. I, to be honest, I didn't think she could afford my services as well, but I was just genuinely trying to help her out. And I think when you genuinely do help people out like that, they remember it. But even if they don't buy, they will tell other people about you. Absolutely. And, and that's the kind of relationship we should have with people. You know, so what you said is so true. And that's really, when you ask about what the T stood for in thought, that's triadics, triple perspective. It might be helpful uh, to people listening to understand what those triple perspectives are, because that's part of the mental skill set that's part of strategically practicing thought leadership, because it's both external, the campaigns you create that's oriented around helping people, leading audience thinking, empowering people based on the questions you ask the internet, ask, answering them the best way, which Vito, who's listening, knows all about, because he's a, a fantastic SEO specialist and digital marketer himself. Um, but the, the three letters can be spelled in the word Leo, like Leo the lion. Uh, or Leo the astrology sign, uh, or Leo the name. First one is listen. Are, are, are we listening? Not are we targeting, are we listening? Are we listening respectfully? And it's listening in a way that you can unravel the mental model so you can start asking questions like, what are the assumptions behind our category? What are the assumptions our competitors have? Like in fitness, the assumption that the big box fitness centers had the time I was working in them was sell as many people as you can and a certain amount won't show up so you can be profitable by continuing to sell more. And that was an assumption worth challenging. There is no shortage in any category I've ever examined of assumptions that are worth challenging. And what that means is there's no shortage of opportunities for strategic thought leadership, but you need to start unraveling those assumptions. And what are the unmet higher values? like fun with the family it was the one Walt Disney intuitive. And there's always unmet higher values. I, I consulted for a company that does youth sports fundraising and they developed an app to help kids sports teams raise money. So I was involved right at the inception. I said, let's do a little audience listening here. And what I found was the people who made the decisions, the parents and coaches, didn't care so much about the convenience that all the competitors were selling. They're like, yeah, it makes it more convenient, but what's that teaching the kids? We had to walk uphill going to and from school when I was a kid. We had to work to raise money. There was experiences and lessons in that. So we found an unmet value of growth for the kids. And I recommended to this business and, and they took me up on it to start partnering with charities to make 
the fundraising a growth experience and market themselves that way with the strategic thought leadership position that, hey, our app is just as convenient. Theirs is convenient, but they're teaching these kids to be even more entitled, you know, but we give them a growth experience because they're co-promoting a charity's message. And of course, then you have the charity's um, PR team. You have the charity's email list. You have the charity's social media, all saying, hey, thanks to the sports teams, you raise the awareness of the campaign through that too. So that was meeting an unmet higher value that came from listening that way. And listening, well, the way we do it is we find where people talk conversationally online openly. Places like Reddit, places like comments threads on polarizing blogs. If there's a blog that polarizes people, people will tell you what their values are. They'll tell you what their belief systems or assumptions are big time if they feel like they're being stepped on. So you can find gold in these threads. And that's where we found the gold for this, for this company. So that's the first part, the listening to find these unmet values, to start to examine the assumptions, what's worth challenging here. And then it takes you to the E of Leo, which is envision. That's the creative part, that's the fun part. We're not like the data targeting marketers, not that there's not a place for that, but we're not just expecting people to repeat their past behavior. We're inventing a new future for them collaboratively to create a new model that better satisfies what's important to them than the old assumptions. And then we're building models around that, models that have a structure, models that give a structure to influence where we create things like position papers. Here's how we look at this field. Here's how everybody else does. We're taking this position, developing talking points that support that position, that undermine the old thinking, that support the new thinking. And suddenly content marketing campaigns become much more meaningful and coherent when you take the time to build the structure of that kind of backstory. So that's the envisioning part of Leo is coming up with a creative, powerful model that is meaningful to your audience to lead them to in organizing ways to do that, that lend power to your marketing and your message. And the O part is output. So you've listened, you've envisioned something new, and now you're outputting it as content. How many ways can you give scale? How many ways can you make sure you're getting it in front of the right people? And when I started Thought Leadership Studio podcast a little more than a year and a half ago, I made the decision, I'm going to do this as an experiment. I'm not going to do any paid placement whatsoever. This is going to be completely organic, at least for a while. And not much happened for a while. And then it took off. I mean, my schedule's full. Uh, I love it. I'm doing the kind of work I love to do, the kind of clients I love to work with. And doing this kind of organic thought leadership eventually took, even though my podcast doesn't have the super high listener numbers, it's got apparently really engaged listeners because it's begetting great clients. So I'm very appreciative for that. So listen and vision output, the ability to pivot between these perspectives, make sure you're including all of them. And each one has the space to fully expand. Don't move to envisioning until you've fully done the listening because you may not be acting on enough data. Don't move to output until you fully envisioned a new model because then you might just be copying what everybody else in your field is saying, which is you know, the challenge in content marketing because we all read the thought leaders, unquote, in our field. And if we're not careful, we're acting on their content instead of data that comes from somewhere fresh and original that can give us a fresh and original message. 
So it's really important that all three of those aspects are fully considered. Oh, wonderful. I, I'm, I'm sure I know um, Tom in the audience. Uh, I'm sure he is absolutely enjoying this so much. I know it's right up the street. Uh, lovely to see you, Tom. Uh, Darren is here as well. Uh, Maria and Pooja. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, OK, Chris, so, you know, I know uh, your, your time is valuable. I know we have a few more minutes. And also, if anyone wants to come up and ask a question, please raise your hand and do come up on the stage because we'll be wrapping up in about 10 minutes. Um, there's one thing that is really important though, when you, before you do the Leo thing, before you do the listen and vision output, it's knowing your audience. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, you not have to know who to listen to. And sometimes it's pretty evident from the business model who your most likely customer is. A lot of people work from that. Um, but I also see that kind of as part of listening, you know, listening to see who could be our audience we might not have even thought of. You know, um, and the example I gave of that youth sports fundraising business, he started getting emails right out of the gate saying, wow, we're looking for ways to get our kids involved in the community. We never thought of doing it through their sports fundraising. We're going to use you and no one else from here on out. So I found that listening begets not only knowing your audience better, but also discovering new audiences you might not have thought of. Oh gosh, I you know when I started my first business, Chris, it was um, it was a gift box for young girls who came to that awkward milestone of the first period, and I thought my sorry guys <laughs> for saying the word period, but um, you know that business I thought my customers were going to be the moms. But actually, my mm -hmm. biggest customers were men because the dads, the separated dads, should go to dads for the weekend. They wanted to have something there for the daughter just in case. So it was actually dads, uh, men that became my biggest customers. So, you know, sometimes, you know, we get it wrong. <laughs> you know, I did certainly at that time. Well, point. yeah, we're talking about challenging assumptions. That's part of it, challenging our own assumptions you know, and unraveling our own belief systems and examining those. There's great value in that. Because without that, we tend to just follow the tracks of everybody else in our in our um, category. And we don't really stand out. And sometimes we have to step back and say, you know what I really believe about this? And is this the most helpful way to think about it? And there's a structure to this. Every belief system, every mental model, every assumption has an if-then statement behind it. If you do this, then you get that. It connects two things. And when you put it in that structure, it gives you the power to influence it at a much higher level using tools like we draw from neurolinguistics because it gives you so many language patterns of influence. It suddenly just makes your content marketing more powerful and meaningful at the same time. So, um... For anyone in the audience that wants to ask a question, just click the raise your hand button and I'll bring you up. But uh, before we wrap up, Chris, is there a way that we can support you? You have a book as well. Do you want to mention that? Yes. And at the time we scheduled this, I was thinking the book's name would be Pole Fulfillment, which is a play on words of fulfilling the pull of the marketplace. Since then, I discovered that the URL strategicthoughtleadership.com net.org we're all available I'm like I can't believe I'm the first person who thought of this phrase and way of looking at things can't be but the domain's available so I'm going to grab it so the book is going to be called strategic thought leadership and I have it nailed down 
a publication date, but I'm looking at the fall this year sometime to publish strategic thought leadership. Well, I know a great publisher who I self-published my book. So if you want an introduction to her, she's fabulous. Her name is Orla. Um, she's here in Ireland, but because um, I did a book called The Little Book of Twitter Magic. But I love oh. that. That title is so much better, I think. It's lovely. You see, sometimes we need to keep it simple as well, don't we? You know, the title, sometimes keeping it simple yes. is better. Um, okay, so the book um, and then uh, the Thought Leadership uh, Studio podcast. Uh, where can people find that? Um, just search on whatever podcast app you use for Thought Leadership Studio. And the website for it is thoughtleadershipstudio.com. So you can either subscribe through an app, you can subscribe through the website. We always do a nice post about every episode that has a bio on the guest, if we have a guest, and uh, tells a little bit of a story, a background story. So we have a lot of people that just subscribe through the website as well as people listen on apps as well. Okay, brilliant. Well, well done. Um, Chris, thank you so much for your time. Um, thank you, everybody in the audience, Michael and Pierre and Mark and Tiggs and LK, Bennett and Shirley, Tom, Jane, Darren and Maria. Thank you so much for joining us. Do connect with each other, folks. And um, yeah, we can continue the conversation and definitely reach out to Chris and subscribe to his podcast. It's really, really good. Thank you, Chris, for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Samantha. I really appreciate you being such a gracious host. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks. Bye. Bye, everyone. Have a great day. Thought Leadership Studio. Thanks again for listening to Thought Leadership Studio and this role-swapping episode where I, your host, Chris McNeil, was the one being interviewed. And we covered such topics as shaping perspectives and connections, unveiling the power of strategic thought leadership, exploring thought leadership's relationship with a visionary approach to service design, Redefining thought leadership beyond titles to true influence. Redefining business models. The transition from fitness to thought leadership. How leading change through strategic thought leadership fuels business breakthroughs. And triadic perspectives unveiling the structure of thought leadership for business success. I really appreciate you listening. Um, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. If you haven't given a review, please give a review. And if you're listening on an app, make sure you click on the link in the episode description to take you to the episode page on thoughtleadershipstudio.com where you can check out links to my and Samantha's resources uh, and also get a free copy for yourself of the Marketer's Guide to Strategic Thought Leadership instant PDF download that will help you with the building blocks of your own thought leadership. I'm your host, Chris McNeil. Thanks for listening to Thought Leadership Studio, and I will see you on the next episode. Thought Leadership Studio.